There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans, welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. You know I've spent over four decades working in the game. Fortunate enough to meet some of the greats of the game, saw them come into the league, watched them shine the game, and now they've moved on to life after hockey. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us a chance to catch up, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what they're up to today. You know, well before Alexander Ovechkin became a household name as the most recognizable sniper in Washington Capitals history, today's guest was setting Caps franchise records back in the 1980s. And some of his scoring records still have not even been broken by the great eight. He was drafted by the California Golden Steels in the first round in 1975. Then the team was relocated to Cleveland. They became the Cleveland Barons for a couple of years. Then he split 14 NHL seasons, mostly between the Caps and the Minnesota, not Dallas, North Stars. His best five seasons came when he was a Cap, led the team in scoring three straight years, setting franchise records for most points and most assists in a single season. Played exactly 888 NHL games at almost a point-a-game pace. Today's guest is Dennis Brooke. Dennis, great to see you again, my friend. Yeah, good, good to see you too, man. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. How are you? How are you feeling? Well, um, um, I guess my 2024 is going to be a lot better, uh, I don't know if you knew my 2023 was not a very good one. Um, I had a big toe amputation last December and it took about uh, my right foot took about 10 months uh, to heal. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an amputee. I got nine toes, but uh, the great thing is that it's healed up and I'm back on skates. Wow. What was that like for you? Like from a pain standpoint and mobility standpoint, that must've been a rough time. Um, well, the, the first few months, all it was was a blister under my big toe that got infected last August, and uh, um, the the first few months was was pretty bad um, healing wise and the pain and all that. But then, once I got a little more mobile, you know, got off the walker and got into the crutches, I was able to do a little bit more. And I feel bad for my wife; she had to, you know, she had to take care of me. She took some time off work. Uh, also, because I couldn't, I wasn't, I would sleep on a chair. I couldn't lay down. I had a back machine on uh, for uh, almost nine months, which is a machine that um, helps uh, clear the the drainage and uh, the infection and, and hopefully healed it, which it did. Wow. It's been a bit of a journey, so, my friend. You've gone through a yeah, lot. Christmas though. was not, Christmas is a great one this year. I really enjoyed Christmas, but uh you know, um, last year's was was pretty rough. I was in the hospital for a good nineteen days. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better now, my friend. Thanks. I'm glad yep. you're feeling better now. That's very encouraging. Um, yep. So, 
something we should point out with our audience. You're in a pretty exclusive club. Only 22 players in NHL history scored 60 or more goals in a season. And you're one of the guys. What's it feel like to be a part of that pretty exclusive club? Well, <clears throat> I, I, I'd say the year before that, the 60, I had a 50-goal season. Yeah. And and that was pretty pretty rewarding. I was playing with two older fellows, John Pronovo and Bob DeHound Kelly, and I was I was the centerman. And to get fifty there, that was quite uh, you know it was really really exciting. And then you know the the come the next year, I ended up uh, playing with Ryan Walter and Chris Valentine, and we stayed together all year. And we had both all three of us had our best years, and that's the year I had sixty and, and seventy six assists. Um, to look, to look back at that, um, a friend of mine puts on a golf tournament, and and I'm on one of the holes, uh, beat the pro, which is me, and which mostly everybody does on part three. But he has on a big billboard the top ten scores, and um, and in those ten, then I look at it and go, "Geez, my name, you know, kid from Rexdale, Ontario, uh, uh, number four. There's Gretzky, the uh, Stastny, Bossy, then my name." And then under my name was uh, was um, uh, Mark Messi, Yari Curry, Marcel Dion, uh, Paul Coffey, Dino Cicerelli. And so to see that, it really brought back, geez, you know, I'm with the elite group. There's some pretty good names in there. So, um, yeah, it's an honor. Um, uh, I've met Obi many, many times in, in Washington. Uh, so it, it's been kind of a neat, neat thing to talk about it and all that with him. You know what I find funny is that is, is today we're like, oh, my God, can this guy score 50? Oh, really? Can any chance of scoring 60? 70 is like crazy, outrageous. You scored 60, but you did it in a year where Wayne scored 92. <laughs> that 212 who's that points. guy? Who's, who's that guy? <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite. Uh, I always say that the, the, the rest of us, myself, Bossy and Peter, we're all in our own own division, you know, own scoring a race and uh and which we were because Boston and I were fighting out for number two for most goals and he ended up, I believe, with sixty-three and I ended up with sixty. And I still had two more games left and I, I couldn't score. I had a couple of ch- I had good chances, but just didn't wouldn't go in. Um so that's kind of what it was. Well Wayne had they had a great team and he he's a phenomenal player. There's no doubt about it. Uh for you know for a guy to score that many goals and get that many points is uh I think we can go on and on and talk about Mr. Gretzky and and uh, just a great great man too. It's interesting because you played in a day. I mean, now now it's commonplace <laughs> to see the smaller player to see a guy who's five eight. It's not at all uncommon. A lot of the smaller guys are big time scorers in the league. It's it's not as big a deal. But in your day, it was a big deal. You came into the league at five, and you had uh, you had a pretty interesting agent. Boom boom, Jeffrey on. <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was quite a, a good story with Boom Boom um, when I was drafted by California Golden Seals and that. But um, you know, today's game, the the goal scores are are uh, they're are still scoring goals, and and I believe that uh, the top scores. I think it's um, more open uh, during my time was survival. Uh, as you said, I'm five eight, and that year I had 136 points. I also had about 125 minutes or so penalty minutes, so um, I had to, you know, take care of myself, and and that's just the way it was. It was survival. I mean, I got it wasn't too many games where my body was not sore after the game. So 
because I was the target. Uh, they'd say it would stop me. But, uh, you know, with Boom Boom, uh, um, I get to tell you a little story about about that when I got drafted and we went to we went to California and we had a meeting and I hadn't signed a contract. I even offered a contract. And Boom Boom, I don't know if you've ever met him, talks like real, my, my Denny scored you a lot to go. You know, my, my we, we Denny, we, we signed contract today. Well, we went to a meeting and he told me not to say anything. And which I didn't, and I was getting kind of a little upset, a little because they were saying, "No, he's going to the minors for a couple of years. He's got to play with some mature players, and then we'll see how it is." And and we left the meeting, <coughs> excuse me, with no contract. And uh, so the first exhibition game I got to play against Marcel Dion in L.A. and uh, I had a couple goals. Was first star, and uh, the GM was at that time was Bill McCreary and the president was Munson Campbell. And they tapped me on the shoulder and said, you call boom, boom. We signed contract in Oakland. <laughs> so that's just kind of a little quick little story with boom, boom and, and all that. But uh, yeah, you know, the, the game today is really wide open. And, um, you know, you, you just, it's a fast entertaining game for the fans. And there's so many five against threes in the game. We, I think we, I think the referee was afraid to call a five on three or get beat up by the player, the other team. Uh, so there wasn't too many five on threes and during my time, but uh, there was penalties and five on four. You did. And you, and you came out of the gates flying. I mean, you were in your rookie season with Brian Trotje and Chico Resch and you finished third in, in the, the Calder race that year. You had 32 assists, 62 points in 80 games, along with your 30 goals. So you had a great jump in. Now, listen, there's a big chunk of our audience, Dennis, right. who remember you, but there's also a right. big chunk of the audience who hear us talking about the California Golden Seals and the Oakland Golden Seals. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And they go, who's that? <laughs> yeah. We should oh, I, point still out. Get it. I, I still get it. They go, is that, was that a team? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should point out in, uh, in the 67 okay. expansion when the NHL went from six to 12 games. Uh, the Flyers, Kings, Blues, Stars, Penguins, and the Seals came into the NHL that year. They started in Oakland, California, then Cleveland. So you joined them when they were uh, the in 19, what was it, 1975? Yeah. What was that like? I mean, now it's commonplace for guys to play in, in the South, uh, in Florida teams, right. especially in California, San Jose, L.A., Anaheim but back then it wasn't so now you're coming to the NHL you're playing for a team that plays in California what was that like the environment wise there well I was I was 19 years old so um and I did get a contract of course um a three-year deal uh, uh 30,000 assigned and uh and the three years with 30 40 50 so it wasn't a lot of money um different year different it, time. it was I just come out of junior so when I got that 30,000 dollars check I thought I was a millionaire uh, cause I was getting junior money. Right. But, uh, playing in Oakland was, uh, a real a treat for me because I made the team. Um, and then they started that Maruk chant, um, and, uh, and every game and stuff like that. If I, so I had to feel like I had to play well, if I it sounded like they were booing me, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, I, I had bought a Corvette 73 Corvette. So I got to drive to, you know, um, San Jose, uh, San Francisco, and uh, Sausalito. I, I, I traveled all. I, I went to see those places and that and had more shorts, T-shirt, 
and had my T-tops off. And I thought it was pretty cool at 19 years old playing in the National Hockey League wearing shorts. So, um, you know, it was it was it was my first year a dream uh, from a young lad to play in the National Hockey League. And of course, watch like everybody else, Hockey Night Canada and wanted to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But um, it didn't happen. And and it was just one of those things where I'm not going to let anybody take this job away from me. And even though there was a lot of changes over the years, but I, I, I really worked, worked my butt off and I really wanted to stay there. I didn't want to be sent down to the minors. So it, 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 it took a few games before I got my first goal in, in, in Toronto at Maple Leaf Gardens, which is kind of a unique story. And, and uh, with all my, my parents and family and friends were all there, but that's where it all pretty much started. And do I remember a lot of the goals? No, I do remember my first one. Uh, because that's where it all started. What was it like? To, I mean, you're a Rexdale boy for for our uh, audience that may not know where that is. Rexdale is just, you know, northeast of Toronto, downtown yeah. central. What was it like to come home like that and get your first NHL goal in Maple Leaf Gardens? Well, you know, I had, I, I had other chances before that and then go in, but then... Uh, when when you're when you got all your friends and and especially your parents and your brothers and sisters all at the game and and uh, it was it was kind of scored against Wayne Thomas and it was just uh, to come out after the game and see all their happy faces and stuff like that so it was, it was pretty pretty special and uh, uh, to our our family and and also for for me to that I that I can play I can score and I can play in the National Hockey League score so let's continue yeah. on. You had kind of a weird, weird role. I mean, it was the one and only time <laughs> the organization. Did you actually play in the white skate era? I remember the white skate era with the Golden Seals. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember when that actually happened. Did you have to wear the white skates? No, they had that in the, was it 73, 74? Yeah. I know um, they had it at the start. In, in 75, the team was taken over by Mel Swig, uh, the Swig family. And, uh, no, we we did have the teal blue jersey that they had in '74 um, with the seals across, but we didn't have. No, we had the regular skates. Thank God. Yeah. No, you they, just I don't know how the guys the guys wore those things. It was just terrible, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but people, you know, people are going to be googling this because I remember it was right around '74, '75 yeah. where they transitioned out of those brutal yeah, skates. That's what it was. And they're yeah. in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I know. It's it's just something. I don't know what happened there, but that's, you know, as a player and you're playing for the team and you're being told you got to wear weight skates. Well, you better wear weight skates. <laughs> so that's what that was all about. Yeah. It was kind of unique uh, situation, but no, I never, I never, never had to, uh, to wear them. So, you know, so hockey lucky. would actually make its way back to California and very successfully, obviously with, right. you know, with Wayne and the Kings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it didn't work around the, the, the California slash Oakland Golden Seals. The franchise got moved to Cleveland where they became the Cleveland Barons. What was that like, my friend? Because you were part well, of that. I, I, you, you, I, I'm surprised you didn't start off the, uh, the podcast and saying that I'm the defunct play, hockey player. As I played on three teams that are no longer around, so um, going from you Oakland, said it, I didn't. what you that, said it, I didn't. I didn't. I know, but I've been there's a guy that put fine. No, but um, going from Oakland to Cleveland was uh, was kind of a shocker, a little bit because Mel Swig wanted to build a, a new arena in San Francisco and a shopping mall beside beside it, and the Bart was going to go right between it. 
uh, the bar was a big train state, uh, system there in, in San Francisco. And he got voted against by the mayor Moscone at the time, 13-3. And so he ended up moving it to Cleveland, which I call Mistake in the Lake. And uh, the, you know, the people were not really, even though they had a minor pro team there um, over the years and that, they, they just weren't really, we didn't get many people at the games. Um, we played in Richville Coliseum, which was, uh, could have used that as the Wizard of Oz the building. Um, it was out of nowhere land and, and people just couldn't drive or wouldn't drive to it and watch it. And I think we had the most crowd we had one was 13,000 against Montreal Canadians. But other than, and it's, it's at, uh, 21,000 was a big stadium. And so it was kind of a, it was kind of a struggle, even though we knew that we were professional hockey players, we had to play as a team, we had to play, you know, every game. And, um, there was a couple good stories there where, uh once we didn't get paid for a month um and uh we were we were gonna fold uh we we're gonna go on dispersal draft and uh so we all we all went out uh, buffalo was in town and we all went out after a morning skate uh buffalo's in town they said that uh the team's probably gonna fold yeah uh, so we all went lunch went to the bar and had a few cocktails and said goodbye to each other and our, our player rep at that time was Bob Stewart and they, and Alan Eagleson was commissioned and they, they had called Bob about four 30 and said, we had to play the game. We had, what do you mean? We have to play the game. He told us we're going in a draft for first, you know, uh, we're all half in a bag. Um, uh, and because the, the league took over the insurance, we weren't going to play unless we were insured, uh, at all. And then the, they did. So we ended up losing the game six to two, but our, uh, um, but we made it, and and then that's what happened. Went on through the rest of the season, and and that's where they merged with Minnesota. Wow! And you mentioned it was a tough time. It was a really a tough, uh, tough time going from Oakland to Cleveland, and, and kind of a shocker in the summer. Yeah, yeah. And then you ultimately merged with, I mean, uh, with the at that point the Minnesota North Stars at that right, point, right? And that time Lou, Nan Lou Nanny was the GM, and he wanted to keep. There were a lot of hockey players, and he wanted a, a, a big, tall, a left winger. Uh, he needed that, so he was going to trade. He ended up going to trade me for a first round pick, and that's a, what he eventually got. And the, the player he drafted was Tom McCarthy. Yeah. I'm, I'm blown away by the stuff that you went through and that you survived <laughs> through all this crap. Because <laughs> then, even then, like I, I mentioned off the top, right. You know, you've got franchise record with the Washington Capitals. People are like, okay, so ultimately he landed on a, in a great organization. Well, Ultimately, the organization became a great organization. We went on to win the Stanley Cup. But when you joined them, the caps then weren't the kind of caps that they are now with solid ownership. Because <laughs> you also went through some problems with the original version of the caps as well. Yeah, we had Save the Caps campaign. Yeah, we did that too. And uh, yeah, we had explain a that. meeting. Throw with, that just don't throw that away. Explain that. Oh, you want me to explain that? Yes, please. Save the Caps campaign. That was, The owner was... Uh, um, a Poland at the time, who's no longer with us, great man. And uh, he said he wasn't getting enough support. Uh, so, uh, from around the city or whatever, uh, so we, they did a Save the Caps campaign to uh, raise uh, season ticket holders and all that, get more sponsorship, all, all that. And we we're sitting down, there's a picture that they show, it's in my book too. The, of us sitting down, a bunch of us at a table, and I got a jar of pencils out there and say three for a quarter, you know, things like that, just kind of 
having some fun with it. But ended up they saved the team, um, and things uh, we did okay. We eventually, and then they, of course, made that big trade uh, with uh, Capitals. That made that big trade with uh, Rod and Rod Langley coming, Brian Ingham, Doug Jarvis, and Craig Lachlan for Rick Green and Ryan Walter, and that changed the whole outlook and excuse me of the uh, Washington Capitals because we got some great hockey players and then we of course made more draft picks and became a stronger team but not strong enough to go we finally made the playoffs and lost to the Islanders but you finally had an opportunity to succeed in the 80-81 season you scored 15 in and of itself is amazing you guys had a Pretty good drive to the playoffs. It fell just short. The next season, the 81-82 season, you you had your 60 goals and 76 assists. I mean, that's those are crazy numbers, Dennis. Those are crazy numbers that you even yourself said when you get to the golf course, you went, holy crap, look at this board. Yeah. My yeah. I did some serious things. Does that ever settle into your mind? Those those are insane numbers that you threw up. Um, yeah, we were talking about it the other day. I had some friends who were talking about it, and and you know, as you're saying, there's only been so many players that have scored sixty goals, and that you know, records are, of course are made to be broken. But I mean, uh, when I when I go to Washington, I talk to Ovi, he says, "Don't worry, I got your goal scoring record, but I'll never get your seventy six, and I'll never get one hundred and thirty six points." So. Uh, unless someone else comes along and does it, it won't be me, but that that's your record. So when, when you hear that from a, a great player like that and um, and from other players like Peter Stastny and even Wayne, Wayne Gretzky said that, uh, uh, I can tell you a little story about Wayne. Um, and, and so those are things that you look back and say, you know, I guess I was not a bad hockey player. I mean, I did some good things, um, but I always – dreamt and was hoping that at some point along the line, uh, as we're saying, the team was not very good, was was um, going to, uh, um, how do I say it, going to uh, uh, be, be traded or put on a, a pretty special team. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes, 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. Dennis, the big thing was you did not have the kind of talent that other guys like Wayne Gretzky did. In the year, you had the 136 points. You were fourth overall. Gretzky, Bossy, Stastny, and you then. 
It's it's incredible what you're able to accomplish. And you got rewarded by a trip to the All-Star Game and you had an opportunity to meet the president. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was uh, they had uh, it was kind of neat because uh, uh, my parents got to come and spend the week uh, here with all the festivities and that. And um, one was uh, the luncheon uh, at the White House to meet uh, President Reagan. So that was kind of a, a real, you know, top security thing and all that. But it was it was just uh, overwhelming. And and then uh, he got up to speak. Uh, uh, President Reagan got up and and he said, "I just want to let everybody know that Washington and and Edmonton have made a trade." And people are going, well, what, what, what's going on here, you know? And he says, yeah, we, we ended up trading for uh, Wayne Gretzky, but I had to give up the state of Texas. <laughs> so the tie in the politics and hockey, that, that was that was pretty cool, yeah. That so, was- yeah, it was it was a very special time in my life that I'll, I'll never forget um, when you can, you, you know, when your parents are proud of what you've done and, and you're in in front of uh, your home crowd. Uh, I was the last player to be introduced uh, out of uh, both teams, and that was uh, pretty chilling to, uh, to have that support that go on for probably three to five minutes, the 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 Maru chant and all that, and then of course play. So it was it was uh, at first it was kind of tough to play, but. Uh, I think I ended up getting an assist on the Raymond Borg's goal, so that was kind of special. It was kind of nice. That's a special moment. Okay, so we talked about your all-star game appearance. We talked about your first goal in Maple Leaf Gardens, but none more memorable for me personally than the one you scored when you were sitting on the bench. <laughs> Can you tell the story about the Pete Peters goal? Oh, yeah, when I was coming up with center ice there and, so I was just kind of just shooting it in, basically. I took a slap shot, and it missed the net by a few feet. And he went he went out and tried to stop it, face the boards, to face the puck, and it hit a stick and went in the net. Um, and and I was on bench, of course. So that was kind of uh, you know those things are those things are lucky. There's no doubt about it. How's that, how many times is that going to happen? You know. So uh, yeah, out of out of a, a, a over three hundred plus goals, there are a lot of times where you get some lucky goals. And then there's some goals that um, we didn't have video that, that I didn't get counted for that would shoot under the under the crossbar. It would kick right back out. And the referees, unless they were right there, didn't blow it. And then, of course, we didn't have the video to look and see if it was in. And a lot of times I had, I had a bunch of goals that were not counted for. So you kind of look at some of the weak ones and, and then some of the ones they missed. If you're looking to answer the trivia question to our viewers and our listeners right now, Pete Peters was the goal. Pete Peters, you're right. Uh, you played for Team Canada four different times in the World Championships when they started to allow NHLers to play. What was it like to be a part of that, to wear the colors and represent Canada? I would always – I would. It was, it was an awesome, awesome deal to be, play for your country. There's no doubt about it. And I know all the players that – that I've done that and will say that pretty much the same thing and to be, be represented in your kind of country and got a chance to play against some great hockey players. It was, it was kind of my Stanley cup a little bit because uh, the, they selected players that didn't make the playoffs uh, or teams that got beat out in the first round. And then you go over there and play against their best. So I got, I got to play against some, 
uh, phenomenal hockey players from different countries. Uh, you know, Chet Jack, all those guys. I believe I scored on them uh, one one goal, whatever. And it was very special. But to 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 play against the top players of other countries and and they represent it was just a it was an honor. There's no doubt about it, honor. And I always always think back to the times uh, we were just talking about when it was in Munich and and traveling in the different cities, Garmisch and all that. And um, it was it was really special to be able to go play internationally and go see different countries that I've probably never had an opportunity to do that or see them, see the countries and what it was all about to uh, play internationally. You and I have known each other for many years. And, um, a couple of years, mean, yeah. Yeah, okay. we're, we're, we're getting up there. Okay. <laughs> and we're both come from the same area in the Toronto area. Um, so I've seen you go through a lot. I've seen you go through the highs of the 60-goal seasons, the 50-goal seasons, I mean, you're drafted in the NHL. You played almost 900 games in the NHL, Dennis. It's an amazing, humongous accomplishment. But there are also some some downtimes. And I think the transition, I think you've been pretty open about this. Your transition into life after your career had some kind of bumps along the road, along the road to the point where you feel comfortable. Tell us about what that was like transitioning away from the game for you personally. Well, I, I, I think during the time when I was playing and getting near the end of my career, there, I was in uh, uh, Minnesota, and we were we were pretty much told and um, that there are going to be a lot of doors open for us, depending on what you wanted to do. Uh, and I had not really prepared myself for post career, and and so that was kind of a, a very struggling situation. I I worked for the North Stars for a year. But I just didn't didn't it wasn't me, and so I got away from that and got into different jobs and uh, you know and then went through a divorce and went through some 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 things that uh, were negative and and all that and and I lived in um, uh, I went and coached in Louisiana uh, minor pro league uh, for a couple of years I ended up going to Aspen Colorado. Um, working out there, uh, and it just got to a point where um, it, it's it's not all peaches and cream, and and things are you, you get to yourself when you wonder why is it me? What's what's going on? And why can I be you know, happy? I, I had a great career. Why can't I be happy in post career? And so the struggles kept coming more and more. Um, uh, and at that time, we didn't really have the support system that they have now in the NHL. When you do have some personal issues, that uh, you can get support, you can get help. I more or less took it on myself, and and I think that was a mistake um, because one night, uh, heavily having some alcohol, I, I ended up wanted in my life and got my car. I was living in Aspen. I was driving to Vegas to to end my life and. Uh, I was, uh, I had too much to drink and I wasn't, I shouldn't have been driving and, um, I was driving real slow and ended up pulling over on a dirt road, uh, in, uh, Utah there in the grand, by the grand Canyon. Right. So, and I, and I passed out in the car and the sunshine woke me up. I got out of the car, walked about five feet and there was the grand Canyon. So I got back in my car and drove back to Aspen. I had a job. I was work, had a job and working. I, what am I doing? 
what am I doing? And uh, I went back in and, uh, you know, I shower and knock on the door and it's the police. He said, are you Dennis Merrick? I said, yep. Are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just getting ready to go to work. He says, well, have a, we have a lot of people worried about you looking that uh, you're, you're having some issues. I said, well, yeah, but uh, I'm okay. It took about two years. It took about two years to uh, become a better man and to realize how important the word love is. And, and I think that's where I, I really didn't love myself at that time and uh, and other people around me, my children and and all that. So it, it, it took, uh, it took about two years. And I would have to say my daughter, Sarah, um, was, was my big supporter. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you telling the story to us because it's obviously very difficult for you, but there, there have to be people out there listening to your story and saying, I've, I've seen some of that darkness myself. I've seen some of those battles myself. I've had some of those doubts myself internally, not just obviously not in the NHLers, but people in general have gone through those battles. If someone like that is listening right now, what, what would you say to them? What word would you want to pass on to them? Well, I think the biggest thing is you, you have to love yourself. There's no doubt about it. There's number one. And then secondly, when you are having struggles, whatever it may be, you need to seek help professionally um, because you, you can't do it yourself. Um, I think people think in their minds that they can, that they can. No, you can't. You need, you need professional help. You need to find out the reasons why. I mean, you have to be open. I was not open. I was I kept everything inside. And so that would be my advice because once you open up about everything, then you start to realize, well, what, what am I doing? You know, why, why am I going through this? And and there are issues, and I'm not the only player. There's other players, other athletes that have gone through all this too. And I, that would be my advice is seek professional help. Wow. Good for you, man. And, and I think as part of your journey, um, you mentioned briefly your book. I want to get back to that. Okay. Uh, when you turned 60, you decided to write the autobiography, and I thought it was really interesting. You called it Dennis, Dennis Maruk, The Unforgettable Story of Hockey's Forgotten 60-Goal man, man and about scoring 60 goals and turning 60 years old, and the book had 60 chapters. How important was writing that book to you? What did it mean to you? Well, we, how it started was with uh, – I had met Ken Reed. And uh, in a golf tournament, and we had talked a little bit about a few stories and all that. And he says, uh, "He says you should write a book." I go, well, "Ken's wrote a few books," and I said, "Well, I got a lot more things in my life to do than start to write a book now." So, yeah, he says, "Well, let's meet." I go, "Okay." So we met uh, a couple times and talked for four or five hours about it, and then and. Uh, I said, well, I want to be, I want to write as well. And, and I want to just leave everything to you, Ken, right? And so we wrote, he wrote, I wrote, we got together and had it all out. He cleaned it all up. And, and I said, this is where I want, want it to be. I said, he goes, what do you mean? I said, I wanted to be, I read a lot of James Patterson books. Yeah. And uh, I think he's a great author. So uh, I said, I want to go like his. I don't want to be starting out the first chapter that I'm, eight years old playing hockey and Rexdale, blah, blah, blah. No, I wanted to start on a different story. I want to have six, um, 60 years old, 60 goals, and I want 60 short chapters. He said, that's a great idea. So that's how that's how that uh, that all started. And 
And yeah, some some chapters only two three pages. And I started out uh, uh, the first chapter uh, servicing a, a a cruise ship out in the to the oil rigs. I was I was a deckhand, and I was I was piloting in the boat because the captain wanted to sleep, and so it took us nine ten hours to get out there. So uh, that was quite a chore. That was my first chapter of the book, and so I How wanted people. Now? I wanted people to read on. I wanted people to. The, the, what what did he do next? What what happened next? And that's how James Patterson. That's when you pick up his book and read it. You don't want to put it down. Yeah. So, so how are you doing now, Dennis? How are you now? I'm I'm well. I, I told you what happened in 2023 uh, with my with my my amp, my toe. Uh, personally, um, I'm I'm doing great. Um, Semi retired, and you know, over the years, I've I've done a lot of charity events, as you know. Uh, we met and. Uh, I do a lot where Easter Seals, the hockey helps the homeless. Uh, uh, I, I go out, I go out to the states a couple times. Uh, I'll go out west or go out east and, and do do events. Uh, personally, uh, I love myself. I love what's going on. I love what I'm doing today. I, uh, I don't hate anybody, um, and I, I don't like that word. I, I think it's a terrible word, and so. Um, I've been through two divorces. I love both those women. I love the woman I'm with now, who's been very supportive and everything. And so uh, I'm 68 years old, and uh, I have, uh, what, four or five grandkids. I've got two more on the way, one coming at the end of February and one June. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm a grandpa that enjoys being with my, my grandkids. So, and I want to be able to, live long so that I can see them uh, play a lot of hockey and see them grow up and get married or whatever. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. Good for you, Dennis. I'm glad you're doing so much better, buddy. It's so thank you. I, I, 2023. I didn't see much of you and I was wondering what was going on now. Yeah, now, and, you know, and yeah. now you're back on top, which I, I'm so thankful for that, pal. It's been so great talking to you. Uh, I want to play five fast facts with you. Okay. It just, just I'm going to throw out five quick questions. You give me your five quick responses to it, okay? How much time I got? <laughs> well, just about five or ten seconds per answer. Okay? okay, all right, okay. Time now to play five fast facts with former 60 goal scorer Dennis Murrook. Uh, number one, the best teammate you ever played with. Who was that? Al McAdam. All right. Who was the best coach you ever played for? Yeah, um, uh, Bill White, my BAM coach. Oh, nice. Who did you hate playing against the most and why? Mark Messe and uh, Brian Trache. Keep, keep centermen, but great players. Fair enough. Favorite city to play in? Favorite NHL city to play in? Favorite NHL? Oh, my. That, that's a tough one. Um, favorite city, I would say, it would have to be in Washington. If you hadn't become an NHL player, what career do you think you would have been doing instead? Oh, that's good. I, I, I would say that I, I love music. I would have probably taken up music when I was younger. Yes. Dennis, phenomenal catching up with you. I'm glad that 2023 is behind you and that all those, you know, I'm so thankful that things didn't turn out as badly as they could have that day. You woke up at the Grand Canyon and I'm so happy you're doing so well, my friend. Great catching up with you. Uh, my pleasure. and Thank you and hope to see you soon. 60 goal scorer, the Washington Capitals record holder for most points in the season and a true gentleman who's battled through so much. Our guest has been Dennis Murrock. 
The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven and Athletes Care. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot premium pizza and wings, a pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, local bread from the 7 Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating their 25th year offering sports medicine services to both elite athletes and the general population will require rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain. Go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa.